Hey everyone, welcome to the Bully Food Challenge. Uh, today on episode 24, we are going to get back into the topic of the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn response as it relates to bullying <clears throat> and being bullied. Um, a big warm welcome to all of you for coming out. I am Kelly Sorg, your host. I have been a middle school teacher for the last 20 years in Portland, Oregon, and I also am working on this a podcast project about bullying to help kids like you understand the pattern of bullying and how to get yourself out of it. I am also somebody who was bullied as a kid and I worked the problems out myself. I've, and I, and I have also helped many of my students do the same. So, um, I'm not a provider. I can't help you in that, you know, in the personal or healthcare level. And I also can't even help you on a personal level as a teacher because I don't know all of you, but I am happy to provide instruction about the patterns. And I ask that you reach out to a trusted adult or family member um, who can help you make sense of these episodes so they work for you in your own life. All right, so let's get into the topic of the fear and stress response, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn as it relates to bullying. And we've talked about fight, flight, freeze before um, in terms of how to re reverse fear and reduce stress uh, when you face a bully. Bullies are masters of activating stress and anxiety in their victims, and they do this by getting you to engage your own stress response, your own fear responses, fight, flight, freeze, and fun. Um, so we want to be aware of how these fear responses work and how to reverse them so that you can lessen your reactions to stress in general, especially though, when it comes to bullying, because the more you engage fight flight, the more you fear you're going to feel and the more real the, th the threat, the quote unquote threat, the bully or the situation that is causing you the stress, the more you engage that threat response, the more real the threat seems in your mind. And we don't want the bully to seem like a real threat in our minds because that just keeps them um, looming large and scary instead of seeming like an equal, which is what they actually are. They're an equal kid to you and you can easily uh, switch over into a different way of thinking about them over time and find that they are uh, they feel differently to you after that. So that's what we're doing today. Um, or that's what we're looking at today as far as your stress and fear response. But how do bullies and bullying relate to this fight, flight, freeze, fawn response specifically? That's what we really want to get into. Today we're going to dig into that and how they, how the bully gets you to work yourself into a frenzy of stress and fear um, through that response. So first I'm going to show you how bullying plays out in each of the fear responses. And then we'll talk about what bullies do to continue to rile their victims up in that, in that aspect of fear or stress. Next week, we're going to lay out what to do to flip it all around. Um, and I know that it might seem a little frustrating to hear all the ways that bullies can provoke fear and stress in you, um, or your friends, but I do want you to kind of sit with that and let that land this week, because I think you'll be able to analyze it and then you'll be able to look at the reversals of it more clearly once you've looked at what's playing out in your specific situation. All right, so let's start with flight. I'm sorry, let's start with fight. I said that wrong. Um, fight is, most people think of the fight 
fear response as actual physical fighting, which it can be. Um, but most of the time, the vast majority of the time fighting comes out as resistance, uh, refusal or arguing. Of course it can come out also as straight up physical outbursts and fights. So, you know, but it, it, it really, even with somebody who does have physical outbursts and fights, it most often plays out is, um, is either refusal to accept or acknowledge a problem, um, arguing against it, resistance against it. Okay. So when we refuse to accept the bullying situation as it is, and then step up to take responsibility, it engages that fight response because we are fighting that the problem exists at all. We're in denial about that. You're fighting the existence of a problem if you blame it on others or rely on them more than yourself to solve the problem. So if you're blaming the school, if you're blaming other kids, if you're blaming your family members for not helping you enough, whatever it is, that is an, another version of fighting instead of, um, letting go and taking responsibility and acknowledging and accepting. Okay. If you resist taking action or refuse to accept responsibility, you're fighting that the problem, uh, exists from a position of fear, which only drives your fear up more and more. And if you lash out physically, you are doing that from fear as well. Reaction is a form of fight too. Okay. So, uh, in this case, you're resisting the source of the problem instead of the, uh, idea of the problem through denial. So when you react to the bully, whether you lashing out physically or whether you, um, react emotionally or whether you, you know, say something mean back to them, whatever that reaction is, you are arguing against what they've said. You protest that they are wrong about you or that they're lying. Um, you may tell on them, tell it, and, you know, I, and I know that sometimes you have to involve adults just depending on how, uh, much the bully seems to need support from adults. But, Sometimes you can go ahead and just deal with it yourself. And, and I think you are starting to see the difference. Um, and, but you might in a, in a moment of reaction, tell an adult because you're so frustrated or you're so upset or scared. Um, and that is out of the stress response. So, um, you might cry, you might yell and scream. You might try to get revenge. These are all versions of fight. They are all resistance to dealing with the problem, to accepting the problem as it is. You're kind of arguing against the problem itself. Um, and whether you bury your head in the sand by resisting that there's a problem at all, or, you know, overswing wildly by, uh, you know, striking out physically or, or verbally at the bully, whatever you doing, you're, if you're doing that, either one of those you're fighting and it just ramps up your fear and stress more. Okay. And the bully wants this. They want you at zero or 180. whether you reject your part altogether, which means you kind of have, you've kind of forfeited and you feel powerless against the bully. Um, and then they can walk all over you. Or if you go out of control into some kind of emotional or physical tailspin reaction, um, that is immensely entertaining and validating to them. Cause that's, that's what they've been provoking you to try to get you to do. Okay. So when you have this fight flight, or I'm sorry, this fight response of either, 
um, denying that there's a problem or that you can do anything about it, or, you know, going into overdrive with it by, uh, by resisting the bully directly. Either way, you're playing into their hand because they've been trying to get you to react and you're also driving up your own fear and stress through that. So keep an eye on that pattern. If that's what's, if you're, uh, reacting in fight, think about your part in that. And also think about the fact that the bully is, is possibly doing things to try to get you to fight back or to forfeit. Okay. Um, the next one, as I said before is now it is flight. We're going to do, um, and flight is really any form of running away is flight. So this doesn't have to mean you're actually running down the hallway, uh, with the bully chasing you at top speed from behind. Okay. It could, it could, and more likely mean that, um, you're avoiding the bully in some way or the feelings the bully brings up in you. And that feeling is called tension. Okay. So when the bully, the bully makes you feel tense or tension, and you are avoiding that you're running away from that feeling you're one running away from, um, dealing with them, not so much that they're actually chasing you, but they could actually be chasing you. Okay. So, um, tension makes people want to run to their hidey hole. They, it makes people, uh, tension is uncomfortable. It pulls at you. It makes it, it forces you to grow and shift. Um, it puts you out of your comfort zone and flight is you hiding in that comfort zone or desperately wanting to get back to it. Okay. And that could be, you know, going into your phone. Um, when other kids are around, you might just go on your phone. It could be a book that you bring around with you. Maybe uh, you, maybe you read a new one, or maybe you keep reading the same old book, um, over and over as a form of a comfort zone. You could be running to the restroom. You could be running to the library. I, I actually spent quite a bit of time hiding in the library during lunchtime because I was bullied at lunchtime. So I would eat my lunch in the library to try to avoid the other kids. Um, maybe a, a kind teacher has given you a place to hang out in their classroom during times when you might be facing the bully. Or you could simply just be lost in your thoughts, ruminating, which means you're thinking over and over and probably thinking a lot on the problem of the bully. Um, and that can get really, uh, dreary for you and sad, and, and it can drive your fear and stress up more and more because you are, instead of facing the problem head on, you are running away from it, which makes it bigger and more real in your mind. Um, and it could also be maybe getting, uh, trying to get back to normal in a relationship. So flight isn't just getting to a separate space or getting past a certain situation. It could also be getting back to a normal feeling within a friendship or, um, uh, maybe, you know, trying to get into a normal feeling within an activity. Okay. Um, but when you try to get a relationship back to normal, you try to get back to this feeling, of, uh, activity you like to do, which is back to normal. You are avoiding the tension that's been caused instead of facing it. Um, and another form flight takes is racing through things. Okay. So it's not just that wanting to be in the comfort zone. It's wanting to get there quickly. 
um, to get back to a perceived safety that you have. That's another form of flight. Wishing the day would be over quickly. I used to feel that way in middle school or uh, walking very quickly between classes or rushing on your work to try to just get it over with, get it done. Uh, feeling like you need to be the first kid to have the answer, you know, so that you're, or, or feeling like you have to figure out what you would say if the teacher called on you and, and you kind of like think something really fast through so that in case they call on you, you have something ready to go. These are all kind of like, get me back to a place that feels comfortable or safe. Insisting to know immediately how your friend feels, how somebody feels, especially if they seem upset. Why do they seem upset with you? Wanting to know, insisting that you understand it and wanting to solve it immediately. Those are also you wanting to race back to that feeling of comfort within that friendship or relationship. Bullies pick up on this anxious need for a speedy relief and safety uh, from any perceived threat, okay? They they read you wanting to get away from tension and they love to keep you on the run instead. They love to keep their victims running. Um, and whether it's literally running away from the bully, chasing them down the hall, or it's just that the bully's giving you or other kids a sense of needing to move faster, uh, a needy, uh, the bully will keep you on your toes as if you need to buy into some sense of emergency that they've created or, or that they're going to, you know, make fun of you. Like if, if it's in class and you feel like you have to have just the right answer or else you're going to get it from the bully, the bully's going to make some comment, or you need to know what everything everybody's talking about means. And if you don't understand something, someone's going to make fun of you. The bully's going to make fun of you. Those are tactics that they use to keep you running and feeling like you always have to get back to some perception of safety or some comfort zone. Okay. Um, so keep that in mind. If you feel like you're always, uh, sort of either truly on the run, physically on the run, or if you're more emotionally or socially feel like you're constantly kind of, uh, moving quickly to keep up with others, or there's a, you know, feeling like you want to race back to your comfort zone. Um, that is likely flight that they, that the bully is bringing out in you, um, with their tension causing behaviors. Okay. The next one is freeze and freeze comes out of caring too much or, um, worrying too much. That's when you freeze up. Okay. And I'm going to explain how this works. Worry will make you freeze your brilliant natural responses. And it actually starts to freeze time itself. It, it's kind of like being suspended and you really can't do or say anything. Um, and that makes the, the pattern continue on and on and on. It's kind of like it's frozen in time you, and you really have no ability to act or to respond. Um, and this is because you are um, bracing against something you perceive could really bad, badly could go wrong. Okay. The freeze response can take the form of bracing or white knuckling, which means you're kind of grasping tightly. You're white knuckling your way through every situation. And the reason that people do this is they, they, it's kind of like in an animal in the wild, when they go into a freeze response, they actually play dead. They lay on the ground and pretend that they're not, you know, able to move or that they, they might actually be dead because predators won't go after a dead animal as much as they'll go after a live animal. So that's one free, uh, freeze is a, one of the fear stress responses that 
animals have a natural or in natural environments because then they appear to be um, no longer a prey animal because they are dead. Um, okay, so when you freeze in a social or stressful, any kind of stressful situation, um, what you're doing is kind of keeping yourself still against the possibility of falling apart or falling down or uh, any kind of perceived threat coming after you. If you just stand stock still, maybe they won't notice you. So what you're trying to do is keep yourself, your surroundings, or the situation together by saying nothing, doing nothing. Some people won't even look at other people during a freeze response. And they're really what they're doing is they're having an overly a disproportionate sense of needing to control for a safe outcome. And this just sets them up for stress and fear because we can't control outcomes. We can influence outcomes, but we cannot do that by over controlling them. And really the best way to influence outcomes is to loosen up, care less and be yourself. Right. But when you're in a freeze response, you care so much, you're locked in worry that you're, that everything's going to fall apart if you do anything. And so you just kind of like stand still hoping that it'll pass you by with, without a problem getting worse, right? The freeze response can also look like you're icing other people out because you're so locked up in worry, in fear, in caring too much about the outcome going well, that you get cold to the point where you, you can't, even engage with people who try to connect with you. You probably desperately want to make those connections, but you just find it impossible to warm up because you're, you're so kind of locked in this sense of needing to stay still and, and let these problems pass you by without noticing you really. The bully wants you to be terrified of misstepping. They notice that you feel overly worried about, um, making a mistake in these cases or that you have kind of lost faith in yourself. You're, you have put the situation out of your own reach. You think you can do or say nothing right. So you might as well do nothing and just kind of let it pass. Right? So they want you locked in that vice grip on the side of their mountain of fear and threats that they've created. Right? They want you frozen at the prospect of falling to your doom off the side of their mountain of fear. Right. <laughs> and they're convinced you're about, to, you're convinced you're about to blow it at any moment. And they are creating that sense in you. They're, they're making you feel like at any moment you could really just say something super embarrassing or you could do something wrong. And then they, then they've got you. Right. Um, and the only thing that you can do when you've got this mindset is, is nothing. And you get captured in this inaction, isolation, and, uh, kind of iciness toward others, even the people who are your friends and are trying to help you. And I, I, if you've felt like that before, if you felt kind of locked up, like you can't, like you can't really do anything right. So you might as well do nothing at all. You are likely having a freeze response. If you are kind of um, checked out from dealing with other people, even the, the nice people who are trying to connect with you, that is likely a freeze response. And the bully keeps you there with on their end by making you more and more scared of making mistakes or misstepping, making it seem impossible for you to get the desired outcome or the safe outcome you're looking for. And that's when it drives up your feeling of caring about it because you're worried it won't happen. And, and it just, the cycle perpetuates, as I said, 
it freezes you from your brilliant natural responses and it starts to almost freeze time itself. All right. And then there's fawn. Um, have you ever felt like you needed to be nice to someone to keep them from getting mad? Or have you ever gone along with others just so they'll stick around so that you, you know, can have your friends around for a little longer, any of those kind of actions where you're, where you're giving up what you want, um, to keep other people happy or to keep them around that's fawning. Um, fawning is, is, you know, doing what you think others want and at the, at the cost of your own wishes or your own values. Okay. So when you set yourself aside to keep others by your side, that's fawning. Okay. Now fawning is a betrayal of yourself. However, it's easy to see why a lot of people do it or they have done it in the past. Um, letting other people have their way can be a good thing. It's, it's a cooperative thing. It's, it's considerate to let other people get their way sometimes. Right. So in our minds, we think of letting people have their, their way as good and other people like getting their way so that that's going to make them happy. Um, so many people, at, you know, who engage in fawning find it is safer to just play nice rather than risk disagreement or, um, disappointment that that friend goes away. Cause they don't want to hang out anymore because you don't want to do what they want to do all the time. Right. So, of course, it's a good <clears throat> uh, policy to cooperate and compromise with your friends, but only when they will do the same with you. Um, not to get something from them, that's the key. You, you cooperate and compromise because you want your friends to feel good and not to manipulate them into liking you or sticking around. So that fawning is manipulating them into liking you by doing what they want or manipulate them into sticking around by going along against what you want to just to keep them happy and they get to do what they want. Fawning <clears throat> does work sometimes. Uh, it often works for a short term temporarily, but in the long term it fails. Um, it, it makes you seem weak and spineless when your friends can see that they always get their way. They don't respect you. They, and they sometimes want you to push them to do your thing because then they see how you're different. And that's, what's fun about being friends with you is that they can, they can enjoy the, the similarities they have with you that they share with you, but they can also be excited or challenged by the things that you like to do that they maybe don't and that they have to compromise on sometimes. Um, and it not only does it make you seem weak that you're always going to go their way or spineless that you really don't have anything that makes you a solid individual. Um, as with all the other stress responses, the more you engage this fawning behavior, the more stressed out you're going to feel. And in this case, it's because you're giving yourself up to keep others around, right? Bullies want you to put them on this kind of pedestal. They, they being put on a pedestal means that um, you can never quite reach them up there because there's of their high elevated status, even if it's just imagined, which it often is. Um, but you need them in your mind when they're up on that pedestal, you, you think you need them or their approval to fit in or to feel safe or to get back to feeling normal. Like we were talking about with the flight response, it, it gives you that sense of, okay, well, if, if I can get them to like me them being way up here on this pedestal, then that means that I can, uh, fit in or feel safe or feel like I'm back to a comfort zone. Right. And when another person is on a pedestal in your mind, you're going to feel more and more like you need to overcompensate to make up for the difference or the, the gap between you. You're down on the ground, they're up on the pedestal and you have to do a whole bunch of stuff to impress them that they should, uh, validate you really. 
And it doesn't matter whether that person is on a pedestal of fear, which is where a bully would be, or it could be of love. You could really have, or, or of, of infatuation, you could have a really big crush and you put that person up on a pedestal because you, you think so highly of them, or you, you fantasize that they're this amazing person that you, you think you'd really like to be closer to whatever it could be a friend that you think is, you, you just admire them so much. You kind of idolize them to the point where they're not really a friend anymore. They're kind of this, uh, almost like a celebrity in your mind. You want, you, you, you really want to get their attention. You want to be, um, seen with them because you think of them as so cool, but then you're also intimidated because you think of them as higher up than you in some way. And there's, it's just really hard to close that gap without overcompensating. Um, they could be a, up on a pedestal of power, like a teacher, uh, scare, especially a, a strict or scary teacher or a teacher who's holding maybe an important grade in the balance. They might seem overly powerful or overly uh, distant, like you just can't do enough to impress them. And you might put them on a pedestal of power in your mind. Um, if, if anyone's on a pedestal in your mind, it sets up this kind of celebrity fan dynamic that I just mentioned. So the person on the, the pedestal is sort of like a celebrity and that makes you sort of like a, a crazed fan, right? It's like they're famous and you're some ridiculous admirer. And it's really hard to get out of that pattern because you've built them up in your mind and then you feel like you have to uh, overdo it to get them to notice you or get them to value you. Bullies will say mean things. They'll repeatedly pester or bother you. They're going to lie to you and tell your secrets maybe to humiliate you. They shoulder you out, get others against you, spread rumors, physically intimidate you. They're going to act out against you. Uh, sometimes they judge, they sneer, taunt, fake you out. They'll make fun whatever they can think of to keep you beside yourself and, and to keep you in one or more of these stress responses, right? Um, any, you can see how that list I just gave you could push you into trying really hard to impress them and make them your friend, which is fawning or getting to the point where you, you've put so much importance on them that you don't really know what to say or what to do. So you've kind of frozen up. You don't, you feel like you can do no right. So you just do nothing. That's freezing. You might be like, I can't handle this situation anymore. I just want to feel normal again. And you just either check out by looking at your phone or going to a different room or, um, just thinking your own thoughts. Uh, you might even be kind of racing through the situation. So it ends quickly. That's, that's flight. That's trying to get out of it. And then fighting, you might be kind of in denial about how they're behaving toward you. It might, it might provoke you to physically retaliate against them or, um, you know, lash out verbally. Um, those are all examples of, and you might have a hard time accepting your responsibility in the interaction or problem. Those are all examples of fighting the situation, okay, or fighting the bully directly. So next week, we're going to figure out how to flip these stress responses on their heads and turn all these bully tactics into pathetic attempts to just keep them at that, right? This week, watch your bully's moves carefully. Are they trying to provoke a fight or a forfeit out of you? Are they always keeping you on the run, chasing you down either literally or more just seeming like they're ready to pounce whenever you move or do anything that you're, you're constantly, uh, trying to get away from them or get back to your comfort zone. Do you feel frozen in time? Like you can do no right. You can say no, right. Do no thing, you know, do not a thing, right. Or like you can't even warm up to the nice, good people around you in your life. That might be that you're freezing up or maybe you're beside yourself because you've been trying so hard to please the 
please or appease the bully or other kids to the point where you've sort of given up on your own things that you care about. That is an example of fawning. And like I said, any of these overcompensations, any of these stressful fear responses are going to make, once you do them more and more and more, they just keep building. They make you feel more anxious and tense. And, um, you are only going to build up not only this feeling of stress, but also the importance of the bully in your mind when you react to them in these ways. So next week, like I said, we're going to look at how to reverse some of these, um, these patterns within your own stress response, your own fear responses, but also, you know, look at specific things bullies do and in terms of how to uh, respond differently to them. So think deeply about it and analyze what's going on around you. And next time we'll talk about the reversal and how to flip it around. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.